0: you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production.
1: For those who simply can't get
0: enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's
1: Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here with you and joining me today, very special guest, a writer and analyst for NFL Network along with the creator of Reception Perception and one of my favorite follows on Twitter, Matt Harmon. Matt, how are you? Matt, it's good to talk
0: to you. So there's so many mats in this industry. Like we, I think we were tweeting about this the other day back and forth. Like it's definitely worth a name change for the, for so many mats if you're trying to get into the industry. But, uh, but seriously, thank you so much for having me on today. It's, uh, we're going to have a fun conversation,
1: right? We've reached the quote of Matt. So if your name is Matt, you might just want to go by the middle name or use some sort of dash or, uh, you know, hyphen if that's the same thing. Anyway, but you're right. Cause I was listening to your, uh, podcast that you did with Matt Waldman, who's one of my favorite draft guys, and you were going super in depth on wide receivers. So I wanted to help, I wanted you to help me resolve a conversation that I've been having with Vikings Twitter really since the end of the season about Stefan Diggs. And I know that you are not a salary cap expert, so I won't ask you to estimate his future upcoming salary, but he is a free agent at the end of this year, and it is my belief that If he hit the free agent market, he would get a huge sum of money. So what you do with reception perception is you watch back routes, you look at separation, you use the NFL next-gen stuff, which is really cool, to get a very precise picture on wide receivers. So let me start by asking you just about your process for doing reception perception so people can understand how you've come across the information on Stephon Diggs. So where do you start when you're analyzing a wide receiver?
0: Sure so with reception perception I go in over an 8 game sample for NFL players and 6 game samples for college prospects it's where I've seen the data normalize over the years uh and I chart every single route that they run in that game you know just not not just targeted routes but routes they run throughout the entire game I chart whether they what type of route they run, what type of coverage they get open against the most, what type of route they get to, they get open on the most. Basically, like anything you want to know about a receiver's route running ability, uh I'm measuring that with reception, perception perception. I also have some ancillary metrics along with that like contested catch conversion rate, what they do after the catch. So really yeah, what I'm trying to do more and more is really not not so much find like okay is this guy good or is this guy bad but more so trying to dis like discern where wide receivers fit and what they do uh in terms of just where what are they most successful at on the field and then where do you fit that into certain schemes and certain offenses and alongside with certain quarterbacks and it's it's great because I've been doing this this exact charting process for the last five NFL seasons you know, 2014 2015 2016 2017 so this is my fourth full season of nfl charting uh and because it's been so long that i've been doing this i've started to see you know obviously certain trends league wide but with players like Diggs, i've tracked them throughout their entire career so Mm -hmm. i've seen how he's how he's been deployed as a rookie to a sophomore to now in his his previous third season uh so i've been able to see the changes in in him but also some things that have stayed constant so that's kind of like a brief Elevator pitch with reception perception, also along with what, what, with Diggs in particular.
1: Well, and what's interesting to me about Stefan Diggs is that in his rookie season, he's playing with Norv Turner as his offensive coordinator, and he's sort of just trying to make his way on the scene, and he gets interest and gets playing time from the team. Because of his route running and his ability to get open, I remember really specifically a game against Denver where he was matched up against Aqib Talib and was finding ways to get open against him, which is not really an easy task. And then his second season, they fire Norv Turner or he resigns. I'm using finger quotes, and Pat Shermer takes over. So you kind of got this hybrid West Coast, but also you know the the old school Norv Turner. And he's doing a lot of underneath things. He he's going a lot of uh, crossing routes stuff like that. And then I feel like last year he was used in every way possible, but down the field a lot more. Does that does that kind of match up with your data?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Diggs is is like a, the exact type of player I think reception perception is made to highlight because of what you talked about getting open. You know, so much of what fans see on Sunday. When we're watching games is just what we're privy to with like the broadcast angle for, you know, 90 percent of the game. Uh, we just we don't see all the work that the receiver does when they essentially run off screen for most of these guys. And that's really important to me because, you know, obviously everybody says you got to catch the football to be a wide receiver. Well, no kidding. But there's a lot that goes into playing the position before the ball arrives or even whether the ball arrives or not. You know, your assignment as a receiver is to get open on each individual route. And so that's what I'm really trying to dif- like discern with perception, perception. And with Diggs in particular, you're right. It's kind of been an evolution throughout his career, or really almost maybe a display in versatility. Because you mentioned that second season when he actually – they moved him into the slot a lot more, took more of his snaps from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually had a lot of fantasy owners in a tizzy when they announced – which is odd in the preseason, kind of – made it known that they were going to use Adam Thielen as the slot receiver in 2017 and Diggs as the outside receiver, and that had a lot of people panicking. But what I've noticed in reception perception is this is just a guy that no matter where he's used, he gets open. He separates well from press. He separates well from man coverage and everything like that. So that's, that's definitely a good point on you is to note the change in his deployment throughout his three seasons.
1: And, and what I see from him is, especially when we're talking about dig routes, curl routes, things like that, that he seems to be unguardable from corners, especially when they're playing like a cover three defense that sort of turns into man on one of the sides, that almost always they're going to run a deep curl or they're going to run a dig with him. And then what I saw last year is not only can he separate, but also he can win the ball when it comes his way. And with Case Keenum last year, I thought that his – lack of accuracy and arm strength was covered up a lot by Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs but particularly Diggs and from what I've read of your data that seems to match up
0: yeah absolutely well it's funny because one thing I love to use analytics for uh is to essentially dispel you know we were talking before we started recording about kind of not be not accepting things just because people tell you that that is the way it is right and that's what i love using football analytics for is because so much of what we think about the game is based into you know just kind of these old school like well this is how we've always done it or you know just these general assumptions about what we think is happening on the field and one of those with the wide receiver position is size you know people always assume that well if you're big you can't separate and if you're small you can't win contested catches and and that's generally just not true. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, some players just have different strengths and Diggs is a great person to bring up with this especially as you mentioned bringing like winning the football when it comes to him. You know, he had an 82.4% contested catch conversion rate last year in the games I charted, which is a really really strong score. I mean, that's above uh the 90th percentile there in terms of the last 4 years of charting and he also saw like 28% of his targets registered as a contested catch attempt. So this was definitely a player that like, you know, absolutely an elite separator, no doubt about it. Um you know, was the above the 98th percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage just last year. But when he, when he needed to win a contested catch attempt, I mean, you could see so many just highly real plays where he made those catches.
1: So when you talk about trying to figure out where guys fit in best and using the data to uh, talk about that, I mean, on the podcast you did with Matt Waldman, it was great about Juju Smith-Schuster and how he was used in Pittsburgh differently than he was in college, and that probably played a role in some of his success and maybe why it's really hard to project wide receivers from college to the NFL. Oftentimes we just look back at the results and say, oh, this guy was a bust or this was a great draft pick. This team is a genius. This team is stupid. But a lot of times the situation that you land in uh, makes a big difference. So as we're trying to project digs forward, how tough is that? Or how would you say that? is maybe the best way John DeFilippo can use him because they're going into a season here with a new offensive coordinator and a new quarterback. Where does he succeed the most?
0: Well, actually, and just to make the point too about, uh, about where receivers fit and that Juju Smith-Schuster example, an even better example for your audience is another receiver on the team, Adam Thielen, like the position he played from this past season to the season before that in 2016 This is why I talk so much about deployment and how these receivers are used has such a huge impact on the way they produce or or how they're how they're, you know, successful in terms of reception perception is is a good way to highlight this. Like in 2016 Thielen, you know, obviously he made a lot of big plays, caught a lot of people's eye. But he was primarily used as an outside receiver and on the line of scrimmage as the, as the split end. He took 63% of his sampled snaps in 2016 on the line of scrimmage and was only in the slot on 24%. Obviously that almost completely flipped on its head this past season where he was used as that big slot possession receiver, much in the same way that Juju was used in, uh, in Pittsburgh. And we saw his success rate versus man coverage jump from 61% in 2016 to 68% you know, a much, much better score here in 2017, was still pretty stable when it comes to success reverse zone coverage, but he saw a lot more attempts against zone because he's filtering through the middle of the field and everything like that. Um, and, and, and just that helps when you're used in that way. You don't face as many top press coverage corners. Getting open and getting separation is much easier when you're working from the inside. And I think that just in general, too, NFL teams need weapons like Adam Thielen to opt, not just, these run-of-the-mill, you know, Cole Beasley types, like, yeah, sure, they'll get you a reliable third-down target, whatever, but having actual weapons like an Adam Thielen, you know, a big vertical threat receiver operating from the slot is a huge advantage for NFL teams. So I think he's a great example in terms of just deployment and how that can really impact a player's success rates, you know, whether you're looking at a methodology like reception perception or whether you're looking at, uh, you know, just their production in general. Uh, and with Diggs in particular – I thought that they really found a great way to use him this past year because one thing I'm kind of, like, obsessed with right now is, again, talking about that on-the-line versus off-the-line of scrimmage designation, Mm -hmm. essentially whether you play Flanker or whether you play X. I was surprised to see Diggs take so many snaps from Flanker last year, you know, operating a few yards off the line of scrimmage. But that actually makes a lot of sense to me because, it just again, you don't face as much top-tier press coverage when you have that a little bit of a free release to get going, and especially for a guy like Diggs who is on the smaller side, having that free release really gets you open against press coverage. It gets you open against man coverage more. And obviously his elite route running comes into play then with that free release in, in conjunction. And I think that's a great way to use him going forward. I thought the way the Vikings offense operated last year was so interesting and so cool because you have this big slot receiver and this flanker receiver just soaking up all the targets. And they're just kind of, throwing their X receiver out on a, you know, like, just kind of almost ignoring them, like, Mm -hmm. the, you know, Treadwell or Floyd or whatever, like, just put our least efficient, our least adept player out there at that position, where they're essentially going to, where they're going to inherently see much less efficient targets. And maximize efficiency by going to the slot in the flanker position. So, kind of a long answer there, but essentially, that's what I think they kind of mastered those two positions all in one.
1: Another thing that they did last year too that Pat Shermer was was really good at and, and sort of modern with was using two tight ends and then the two wide receivers and running a lot of play action. So they, mm-hmm. they bring out David Morgan, who's just their blocking tight end and then those two on the outside. So a lot of teams would end up playing a single high safety. And if you play a single high safety versus Diggs and Thielen, it's like, oh, good luck. Cause you can't, yeah. you yeah. can't put anyone over the top. One of those two and they can both win on the outside if that's where they're lined up. But I agree with moving Thielen inside. And that's kind of where I wonder how this will play out because they signed Kendall Wright, who's more of a pure slot wide receiver. So is John D. Filippo going to use them all as chess pieces and put them everywhere on every different play? Or is it going to be Thielen getting less time in the slot? Because I like him in the slot. I think where he's really good, this is what I see. You can tell me if you see the same thing. I I think he just has this natural football ability that he has great instincts for where the space is, where he's supposed to be on a play sensing the uh, defense as far as linebackers dropping back or playing more aggressive or or what it's going to be. So that slot seems to be perfect for him because he processes the game really quickly and knows exactly where to be on each play.
0: I I think that is a great point. Um, I mentioned that he was very successful against zone coverage of both of those two years, and I think that is so much a part of that game. Actually, I got a chance to talk to Christian Kirk, who's the draft prospect that was coming in this past year, I got to meet him and interview him at the network. And I talked to him a little bit about what goes into beating zone coverage. Uh, and that was something because he was one of the top two scorers in the draft class in terms of success rate versus zone coverage. And I asked him, you know, what kind of goes into being a great player in this regard? And his point was so much about instincts and preparation And not just mastering your own assignment, but mastering what your quarterback wants, mastering what your offense is going to ask of you. And, and then not only that, but mastering each defense that you're going to go against. Just, you know, it's a lot of preparation essentially is the, is the word there. So I think that's a great point about, about Adam Thielen. I think what makes him so good, but he's, but he's real. I mean, he's very physically gifted too. I mean, in the way he was used both seasons was really as a vertical threat that could win those 50, 50 balls. I actually compared him after 2016, his reception perception data was really, really similar to a player like Alshon Jeffrey, who's mostly, you know, a big X receiver that operates on the outside. But when you take that weapon, and utilize him in the slot and in the middle of the field, it it just really gives defenses a lot to think about. I think Shermer's offense was really great about that, whether it was lining up all these guys in different places or using play action, giving the defense that little extra bit to think about uh, I think is advantageous and just increases your efficiency on a play-to-play basis.
1: From the first part of what you said about feelin uh, that w- wide receiver is a position I think that requires a lot of understanding of the game to be really great at it unless... You are just an absolute physical freak. But even then, the I mean, everyone's a physical freak at this point. This isn't yeah. like 1980-something where if you're Bo Jackson, you literally just run over people and go the rest of the way. I think it's even changed since Adrian Peterson came in the league and was trucking dudes that everyone has gotten bigger, stronger, focus on the NFL combine and, and things like that. So uh, anyway, just... Putting that aside, what ends up making the difference is how well guys can read a defense, how well they can react, and then their natural kind of football gifts as opposed to just being a physical freak. And it's, I like when people ask me, like, so Stefan Diggs is a fifth-round pick. Thielen is undrafted. How did they get to be this good? And the answer is they're smart, and they work at it extremely hard to understand the game. Diggs is one of my favorite people to go up and ask, hey, so what happened on this play? And his analysis, his analysis is is fantastic. I think that's in part what makes the difference with these two guys, and with just receivers across the league.
0: I, I totally agree with you, and you can you can get a sense talking to the players a lot just how that preparation is. You know, I mentioned talking to Christian Kirk, who I would say is, you know, I wasn't the only one that talked to him and noticed that professionalism. You know, that that approach and everything. I talked to DJ Moore this past draft season; he was the same way. Uh, in terms of just the way you, the way you can tell how people prepare and how they break down the game and, and where their intelligence level is at it. You know, we, we, don't know everything. It's hard to read people for sure. I mean, you have a lot more access than I do to these guys on a daily basis. So I trust your instincts on that one. And, and just in general too. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge distinguisher at the wide receiver position. Uh, it, not just, it, just your ability to run routes. Again, that's what I'm, tr- what I'm trying to measure with reception perception perception. And preparation certainly comes into that because it it helps to be a big time athlete or a big time, you know, physical freak. But a lot of these guys, like Devontae Parker, is a great example of a guy who, you know, was a first round pick in the same draft class as Diggs, but has never come close to being able to release from press coverage to run really good, consistent routes. And I think along with injuries, you've seen that's why he hasn't taken off as a, a consistent starter yet.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's funny about that. Uh Now, with your data and, and sample size and things like that, I, I think that you can get a pretty good sense fairly quickly how good someone is going to be by putting a few of these things together, like you're saying, where you fit, but also talking to the guy and how well he's going to adapt based on his personality. A lot of this stuff is communication, and it's not just being a good quote. Because like a lot of these guys you find once the TV cameras come around, and this is where the perception of athletes gets skewed. So like the TV cameras come around, they don't want to make a headline, and they'll just say, hey, you know, we're taking it one day at a time preparing for the next team. So a lot of people will think, ah, these guys, they couldn't put together two full sentences. And then the cameras go away, and it's just you and him. And you say, okay, now explain to me why you're so good in the slot to Adam Thielen. We had a great conversation about this last year, and I wrote an article about why they were succeeding, Diggs and Thielen. And he's, and both of them could break it down so perfectly, yeah. like exactly what they were seeing and why they were good at it. And it's like... Hey, everybody, you might want to look at this instead of what they said in the post game interview. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, and it comes also just the the perfect marriage is also deployment and the way they're used. You know, would Juju Smith Schuster have had such a tremendous rookie year if he went to a team, you know, that needed an outside X receiver? I would, I would tend to doubt it. Uh, And, and I think that that really is where coaching and play calling and, and offensive designers, are. you're really seeing them take players to the next level and finding early success because they can identify that role for them and, and put them in the position to be more successful because of where they line up and where they're deployed in terms of on or off the line of scrimmage, in the slot, outside, flanker, X receiver, what have you. Uh, and I think that is really the edge that good coaching brings to the table too.
1: I would like to point out that I argued after 2016 that some team should put a huge contract in front of Adam Thielen's face as a restricted free agent, that especially the Green Bay Packers should have just said, here's a giant contract that the Minnesota Vikings won't match, sign it, and give away a second-round pick, and you will get a great wide receiver. And instead, he ends up on a ridiculously good deal and ends up uh, being a star wide receiver now, which is the last thing I have on, on digs and feeling is just if the Vikings lost him, it seems to me like that's a guy that it would be a big hit that would be very hard to replace. I mean, is there a way that we can quantify how difficult it is to find someone with his versatile of a skill set?
0: Yeah. I mean, again, I talked about the, the outrageous success that he had in terms of just creating separation from man coverage, you know, went up to the 98th percentile this year. He's a player that's consistently been above the 79th percentile, you know, and it's gone up each of his three years. I, I think he's an elite level route runner. And, you know, on a in terms of creating separation, he's right up there with some of the best in the league you know him and Antonio Brown this past season scored really similarly I think the issue with Diggs and the reason that fans are probably uh hesitant to want to give him that money for one fans are always weird about giving out teams money like it's (laughs) not it ain't your money man these guys trust me these guys can spare a few a few pennies so give me a break um but also, because he's had injuries, you know, like, I feel like people get their feelings hurt over injuries more than anything else. Um, like, people are just very, very hesitant to play, and I get it, like, you don't want to pay somebody to them, they're not going to be there to do their job, but to get a, a player who, on a play-by-play basis, is this level of elite, this rare, you know, and injuries, can, you're injury-prone until you're not, really. I mean, there's definitely, like, you, you. it's hard to bank on him being a 16-game player, because we haven't seen that really for for a while so i understand the hesitance there but again somebody that's this elite on a play by play basis you know year over year i think you want to invest in that type of talent and you're definitely going to get him at you're going to have to get him at more of a market value than uh than than adam thielen is because like you mentioned that was just great timing great execution in terms of when to sign him to that extension but now we're seeing receivers like sammy Watkins who I think Diggs is a better, way better player than Sammy Watkins. I think he's, I, I mean, I don't even, I I, 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 don't know how anybody could come to the conclusion that, that he's not. Um, so honestly, I think you're going to, you're going to end up, if you want to keep him, you're going to have to pay him. And I think it will be worth it because of what he is on a play by play week to week basis.
1: Funny. You mentioned that because when I was in Buffalo, uh, that's when they drafted Stefan Diggs or I'm sorry, uh, Sammy Watkins. It was before I uh, moved here And the way that he was painted was the type of receiver that Stefan Diggs actually is like a guy who could win at all levels and and that sort of thing, create the separation, win every ball that comes his way, run after the catch and, and so on and so forth. But that's not really what he's become. And I think injuries have probably impacted him a a heck of a lot more than they have Diggs, who's played 27 out of the last 32 games in the last two seasons. And the only reason he missed games in his first year was because he was inactive to start the season. And then, so, I mean, for the most part, he has been uh, healthy aside from uh, a little bit of uh, hamstring, or not hamstring, was it groin, groin tweaks. Yeah, I'm not in in season with my injuries here uh, just now. So something you mentioned on your podcast with Matt Waldman that I wanted to touch on before I let you go, and I very much appreciate all this time, and your work is awesome. Laquan Treadwell, you mentioned that you you saw him in college as a guy who could be a really good NFL wide receiver, mm. and I watched him a lot at Ole Miss. The quarterback at that time was Chad Kelly, who was a Buffalo guy, so I was trying to see you know what his... NFL prospects might be. And of course, Treadwell jumps off the page when you watched him in college and talk about a guy who just could go up and get it all the time. Why do you think it hasn't worked out for him in the NFL? Well, some of it is opportunity.
0: I mean, he's, he's been bypassed by two players that were of lower draft capital, but you know, some, some of that, I think like maybe if they needed him more, they would use him more. But again, I I don't know that you can, that's kind of maybe trying to get off the hook of terms of what happened, but obviously it would be he's behind Thielen and Diggs now. and There's really no reason for them to vault him up, um, especially because of just how efficient those guys are on a route to route basis. I think some of, I mean, Zimmer said like something about him not being in his own head or whatever. So there, there's always that caveat, but looking back on just him in terms of a, from a pure player perspective, um I think like one thing I've noticed with college receivers, and I think it's actually Connor Orr talked to Ricky Prohl in a Sports Illustrated article, talked about this specifically being a tough issue to translate from college to the NFL game, is when receivers only line up on one side of the field uh in college. You know, I've talked on this podcast a bunch about receivers and where they line up. Uh Treadwell was a player who lined up almost eighty-five, I think, or eighty-four percent on just one side of the field. And that is just not a thing that happens at the NFL level. You know, when you master running routes and creating separation from just one side of the field and, and your body motions are, you know, all right-handed or all left-handed, you know, you don't get that luxury at the NFL level. It's rare to even see a receiver take 60% of the snaps from one side of the field or one position. So I think that has been a part of it, too, just in terms of why he's been slow to translate. Um, you know, so I, th- I think there could be a lot of different reasons, but that's probably one that I've noticed just over the years. A lot of receivers who come with that similar uh, watermark, if they're going to be used as an outside receiver, they're, they're going to really struggle. The only guy who has kind of bucked that trend over the last couple of draft classes has been Juju Smith-Schuster, who I mentioned kind of completely changed positions in terms of he wasn't even used as an outside receiver and was more of a big slot guy. He's been the only one that's kind of bucked that trend. Other guys like Josh Doxton, Corey Coleman, um, Kevin White, Doriel Green Beckham, all those guys came with that issue in their, uh, in their, in their college profile and injuries have beset some of them as well. But that has been an issue to help that's made receivers slow to translate.
1: The other thing with Treadwell, too, is I don't think he has picked up very well on just the the technique of winning routes in the NFL. I mean, he's got two of the best route runners in the entire league right there in practice with him every single day. And it just seems like he hasn't learned a whole lot about that. And when we talked to him last year in training camp, he said it was the first time that last offseason was the first time that he had ever put effort into the exact technique of being a wide receiver and it was like excuse me <laughs> i mean how yeah, yeah. How, how is yeah. that how is that possible and then you know what Mike Zimmer mentioned at the combine was Treadwell is an incredibly hard worker that he is the last guy off the field he's out there catching with the football machine and he runs stadium steps at night at, at training camp and everything else but all that stuff doesn't really matter as much as it does whether you can get in and out of a route or whether you can get off the line of scrimmage. And you kind of combine that with, if you're going to run a 4-6, you got to have a lot of other things go right for you yeah. in order to be Larry Fitzgerald or something, right? And I, and I think that that's kind of, it's like a combination of all those things. It's the fact that two other wide receivers are much better. I would put them in the top 20 in the NFL, both Thielen and Diggs, easily. And so, yep. of course, they're going to get the attention as opposed to you. But at the same time, if you were behind technique-wise coming in, it's it's just going to be very difficult because this is a win now team. This isn't a team that's just going to throw your way to develop you. You know.
0: Yeah, and and that's such a great point about there's a difference between working hard and working smart. And like you've got, to, I mean, you've got to work hard. There's no question about it. I mean, you wouldn't be where you are today. I wouldn't be where I am today. All these NFL players, most of them would not be where they are today if they didn't work hard, but there's certain things that are more important. Like each individual needs to identify, okay, where are the areas that I can improve? You you know, running steps maybe or the stadium steps, like that's not maybe exactly what you need to be working on. So I, I totally get why that, that can be an issue too. That's an issue for all of us in, in all of our workspaces. Uh, and, and it's no different in terms of learning how to be a top tier NFL receiver.
1: Yeah, and just if you are a budding journalist, uh, don't bother asking players of any sport, really, but especially football, about like other guys who work hard, like because that doesn't impress anyone, and they're you know they, they they've got nothing for you with that. Like, yeah, sure, your teammate lifts tractor trailer tires up a mountain full of sand, but so do so does everyone. I mean, all these yeah, guys to yeah. be at this level, they all lift weights, they all work hard. That doesn't impress anybody. But when you ask them about like Terrence Newman's intellect, they'll go on for days about how smart the guy is because that's what really impresses them is an understanding of the game. So um, just one last thing. I said the last thing was the last thing. Uh, Who who is the best non-Vikings wide receiver that people don't realize is awesome?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, I always go to – some of like long-term veterans that I think people don't realize exactly how good they are. Um, and one guy I would say is like Pierre Garcon is like always my most underrated receiver of Shout the past several years. Yeah, man, he's, he's awesome. He, I really think that if he's back healthy, he could have a monster year uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo there now, because he was already a player that, you know, we talk about creating separation and running routes at that flanker position. He was excellent at that in Washington, uh, especially when he got stable quarterback play. You know, that was really a thing that 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 boosted him up. Then obviously this past year, he was unfortunately there like during the worst parts of the quarterbacking <laughs> position in San Francisco and then gets injured has a neck injury uh, and then doesn't see the Garoppolo era. Uh, so I think if he comes back strong, you know, receiver was constantly a position that was mentioned for them in terms of Using a high equity draft pick, and they did end up trading up and get taking a second round receiver, Dante Pettis. You know, spending big money on free agency, but Garcon I think is more than capable of being their number one receiver uh, if he is healthy.
1: One hundred percent with you. Also, you could tell I went to a D three college, but one hundred percent with you. Especially as we've had this conversation about Kirk Cousins, and I went back and looked at. Kirk Cousins supporting cast in two thousand sixteen. It's like this is their Stefan Diggs. I mean, Pierre yeah. Garcon might not be a guy that is on the cover of a video game, but it's the same sort of thing that he can be used anywhere and he's a great route runner. And I think that not having him there really hurt Kirk Cousins and Deshaun Jackson too as the one of the elite deep threats. But I mean Garcon was kind of the guy that that he looked to a lot. So um, Matt, I could talk to you about this stuff all day. Awesome stuff. Uh, people should follow you on Twitter. Matt Harmon, H A R M O N underscore B Y B really an underscore dude. Underscore. Really?
0: Yeah, I know, man. It's like, it's like I have an, uh, an X's tattoo, you know, on me. It's like, what can I do? You know, it's just permanently there. If I can't, I can't lose the blue check mark. And if I change a Twitter handle, you lose the check mark. So it is what it is.
1: Well, yeah. sometimes there's a price to pay. <laughs> uh, and, and to not have that underscore <laughs> well so make sure you go find that and find wherever the underscore is on your keyboard to uh to get Matt. actually if you just type in the word matt then every football analyst just comes up I yeah mean, right it's that.
0: tough to tough to go through
1: uh so you, his work is fantastic the stuff on receivers especially so make sure you go check it out and thank you all for listening to this episode of the purple podcast